Extra, extra, you could read all about it. But let my boy PL tell you about it. Extra point, yeah, yeah. Extra point. Extra point, yeah, yeah. Extra point. Welcome. 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 It's Wednesday, May 19th, 2021, and you're listening to the Extra Point Show. Your host, Mr. P.O. Coates, is in the house and extra service. Got a ton of NBA stuff to get into today. Want to give you my NBA regular season awards. Want to definitely talk about the playing games that went down last night and the ones to come tonight. And um, also today, make sure you stick around because I'm going to crown the first ever Say It With Your Chest heavyweight champion. Yes, there was one that was so brilliant, so awesome that they deserve to be champion. And we'll talk about that a little bit later. Make sure you stick around for that. But first, I want to start with a couple of shout outs that are near and dear to my heart. Two of my favorite players to ever don the maize and blue had a pretty good weekend. So I want to start off with a shout-out to Mr. Chris Weber of Michigan Lore with the Fab Five crew. And uh, the way that they transcended the game of basketball, um, he was inducted into the 2021 Hall of Fame class on Sunday. He'd been waiting for years to hear his name announced. And uh, as a diehard Michigan fan, I am glad to see him get his flowers while he's still alive. Now, the, the cool thing about this is the fact that um, everybody knows that I'm a big Michigan fan, but prior to me becoming just this over-the-top, wild, crazy, madman Michigan go blue man, I was just kind of like a an admirer from afar for the football team because they came on TV a lot. But the Fab Five coming on the scene is, is what really, especially during the, the age I was at that time and the movement that they had and the rap and just everything that was just so fresh and new and everything that they embodied that he and Jalen Rose – became two of my favorite players of all time, definitely two of my favorite Michigan players of all time. And they had been in a highly publicized beef for the last decade or so. They hadn't been speaking. And uh, it was great to see Rose, who was an analyst at ESPN right now, be able to do an on-air interview with Weber to congratulate him about his recent induction and to bury the hatchet on that old beef. As a Michigan fan and as someone who's followed their careers, basically from the time they set foot um, at Michigan, it was great to see, you know, forgiveness and friendship prevail in that in that instance. So if there's anybody out there you're holding any odd against, uh, let's just go ahead and let that go. It's been a crazy, crazy two years. We're all lucky and blessed to still be here. I know I'm glad that you're still here, and I'm glad to be here myself. So I thought that was pretty awesome and a pretty positive and cool way to start the show. Now, let's get to some awards. Now, this is PL's NBA regular season awards. And with that, let me provide this disclaimer. This is not a prediction of what I think will happen. This is simply me watching most of these teams for most of the games during the season and coming to my own conclusion as to who I would vote for if I had such vote. And with that being said, we'll start with MVP. And to no one's surprise, it's Nikola Jokic. Uh, the man averaged 26, 11, and 8 over the course of the season, which would be all NBA-type caliber numbers for a starting point guard. The fact that he's doing this at the center position is even more remarkable. And the fact that he's been 
highly productive over the last, you know, two, three years and ascending in each of those years. It's good to see him finally break through and win it. He will win it. Um, now, my heart was in a different place. I, I really uh, thought that Joel Embiid was the most valuable player in the league this year, uh, followed by Steph Curry, considering what he did with what he had at Golden State. But you have to you have to give a different level of credence this year to availability, which we all know the old cliche that the best ability is availability. And let's just face it, uh, most of the, the superstars deserving of MVP consideration miss considerable time. Um, LeBron, of course, Anthony Davis, of course, uh, Kawhi Leonard missed considerable time. Um, uh, Kevin Durant and James Harden missed considerable time. So the fact that Nikola Jokic played all 72 games this year was remarkable, given the fact that there was COVID, there was injuries, there was a, you know, a multitude, a rash of injuries, especially the high profile players to play heavy minutes because of the condensed season and the back-to-back games. And yet, Nikola Jokic was able to remain healthy and productive for all 72 games, which would make him the second player in NBA history to play all all the regular season games and win the MVP. The last was the Mamba himself, the late, great Kobe Bryant in 08. So, shouts out to Nikola Jokic, this year's PL's MVP. Now, Rookie of the Year, I was torn late in the season between Anthony Edwards, the number one overall pick, at Minnesota, who came on strong to close the season, especially after the All-Star break. Um, But I'm going to go with LaMelo Ball with this one. I think um, overall, I think that Edwards is a better scorer, but as far as impact on winning, LaMelo Ball provided that at a higher clip, uh, considering the fact that uh, he did get his team uh, to the play-in tournament. We'll talk about that in just a second. Um, he's electrifying. He averaged 16, 6, and 2, and he was more productive, um, more consistently productive, let me say, over the course of the year than Edwards, who started off very slow and even started to to garner some bust rumors and whispers out there prior to t- you know taking off late in the season. So my rookie of the year is LaMelo Ball. Shouts out to him for that. My defensive player of the year. This year I'm going to go with Ben Simmons point guard from the Philadelphia 76ers. I know a lot of people will go with the casual picks of uh, maybe a Rudy Gobert, who's deserving. Um, Joel Embiid is also deserving. And usually when we think of defensive player of the year, we think of a big that can protect the rim. However, in the case of of Simmons, it's his versatility that, that I think gets him the nod this year. He was routinely required to guard the opposing team's best player as far as from a scoring efficiency standpoint and he can truly guard all five positions and has guarded all five positions he has great length at the point guard position very tall very long arms uh, he can guard the point guard the shooting guard the three the four the stretch four and the five and uh, he's a great on ball defender and help defender and he wants it you know, when you think about some of the best defensive players in the history of this game, they all wanted it. They all took pride in being defensive player of the year caliber, first team, all defense type players, the Tony Allens, the Dennis Robbins of the world, the Bruce Bowens of the world, those players. And this is something that, you know, consistently throughout the entire regular season, Ben Simmons 
was speaking towards of being the best defensive player in the league and taking pride on that end of the court. It has paid off dividends. The 76ers are the number one seed in the East, largely in part due to the defensive prowess of one Ben Simmons. Now, for the sixth man of the year, uh, again, um, the popular pick and most likely the selection will be Utah's sixth man in Jordan Clarkston. He's averaging just under 20 points a game, I believe 18.6 points per game, had multiple 40-point games, and he's playing on the number one team with the best record in the league. I get that. Um, But I'm going to go with Derrick Rose from the New York Knicks, and here's why. Derrick Rose, while he averaged less points per game, I believe it was 14-4-2, he was much more important to the success of the New York Knicks than maybe Clarkston to Utah. Now, we may be splitting hairs here, but but hear me out. I look at Jordan Clarkston as the icing on an already delicious cake in Utah. They have Spider-Man Mitchell, Rudy Gobert. They have Inglis. They have Bogvanovich. They have Mike Conley running the point. They have Depp, Royce, Royce O'Neal. They, they're loaded, and they can all shoot the three. Whereas in New York, even as the sixth man, Rose was not just the icing. He was the damn batter. And not batter as in baseball, but as in cake batter, as in cake mix. He was the mix. He was their closer. He he was an extension of Coach Tom Thibodeau on the court because of his previous relationship in playing for him in Chicago. He's a leader. He was a locker room changer. Um, and again, most importantly, he closed the thing down. In the crunch close um, minutes of the game, when it was winning time, it was Rose out there on the floor delivering night after night after night after night. So his impact on winning gives him a slight edge over Clarkston in that regard. So I'm going to roll with Derrick Rose. For my most improved player this year, there's only one guy, and we're going to stick in the Big Apple, and that's Julius Randle. Now, once I read to you this factoid about Randall, we can go ahead and end that discussion and move on. This season, Julius Randall finished the regular season with career highs in points, assists, minutes, steals, three-point attempts, three-point field goal percentage, and rebounds. I mean, damn, did he make the popcorn too? Was he parking cars before the game? Out there dancing with the kids at halftime. Damn, what else did he do? Did he do? And 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 as I referenced, uh, Derrick Rose as the batter of the cake, as the cake mix. If he's the cake mix, then Julius Randle was the oven. He he brought the whole thing to life to where you could consume it. And his his increase in percentages all across the box score. Is, is is indicative of the, the climb out of the doldrums of the Eastern Conference basement um, for the Knicks. So his ascent was the reason that the Knicks ascended. His impact on winning was tremendous, and he went from middle-of-the-road player to superstar MVP caliber play this year, and congratulations to him on that. No one had a leap that big. And for my coach of the year, I know that it has been reported yesterday that Monty Williams, coach of the Phoenix Suns, who is well-deserving, was named Coach of the Year by his peers. And he has done a remarkable job there. They have a great record, second-best record in the West. And um, they also 
um, are, are reaching the playoffs for the first time, I believe, since 2007. So, shouts out to Monty Williams and the Phoenix Suns. But I'm going to go with a homer pick, if you will, and that's Taylor Jenkins, coach of the Memphis Grizzlies. And here's why. Again, taking nothing away from Monty Williams, he is well-deserving, and I have no issues with him winning the um, the clean sweep of that award, if you will. But let's take a closer look at what Taylor Jenkins is doing down there in Memphis. It's quite remarkable. In only his second year as head coach, he led the Grizzlies to a 38-34 and record in the loaded West without one of their cornerstone players in Jaron Jackson Jr., the fourth overall pick in the 2018 draft. Um, he's a big, big part of what they do, and he missed the first 60 games of the season. Now, think about this. Remember, Memphis also had uh, a massive COVID outbreak with contract contact tracing to where they missed almost two and a half weeks of action in the first part of the season. Well, after the All-Star break, they had to make all those games up, which had them play the most games post-All-Star break for the second half of the season, many of which were three games and five nights with a young team without your second best player. You're the second youngest team in the league, and yet you still managed to climb to four games over 500 and was one game away from being the eighth seed at the end of the regular season. That loss on Sunday to Golden State uh, sent them down to nine. So I think that to do this with no all NBA players, to do this with no MVP candidates, to do this without even an all-star player. I think it's remarkable. It was a remarkable job done by um, Coach Jenkins, and I think that he should get the nod for that reason. Now, <clears throat> let's transition over to the games on the court. The play-in tournament got off to a rousing start yesterday. Well, depending on who you were rooting for, because it was two blowout games. Um, but we, we started in Indiana, where the Indiana Pacers hosted the Charlotte Hornets. And I'll tell you, if you started dinner right at tip-off, you didn't even have time to get a second helping of potatoes before the game was out of reach. I believe Indiana had a 40-26 to 26 lead after the first quarter, and it only got worse from there. Like, you could have started washing clothes, getting your kids' homework looked over, you know, run some errands, took a lap around the house, the neighborhood, whatever. That was a complete blowout. 144 is what Indiana put up without the services of their second-best player in Karis Levert. Wow. I mean, after the game, several of the Hornets players spoke to it, but playoff experience. Charlotte is devoid that. They're a young team. Again, LaMelo Ball is arguably their, their biggest and most impactful player right now, and he had zero playoff experience. They didn't know what hit them. And oh, did they get hit right square in the kisser. <laughs> Indiana put them hands on them. Um, so hopefully Charlotte is able to learn from this and to regroup and to um, get better. They'll go back into the lottery. Maybe they get lucky with a ping pong ball and add some additional help on the wing. They, they're pretty good at their with their bigs, but they need some help on the wing scoring to go along with Devontae Graham and Terry Rozier and LaMelo Ball. Um, Shouts out to them. But we'll holler at y'all later. Y'all are out of there. And in the nightcap, uh, a strange game between the Washington Wizards and the Boston Celtics. The the Wizards come up short, and Boston is able to secure the seventh seed um, by winning 118 to 100. 
the story of the game was Jason Tatum dropping a 50-piece on Washington's head. Now, you want to talk about your superstar playing his best when it's most needed. That's what it is right there. A 50-piece in a do-or-die game. Well, it really wasn't do or die because they would have had another chance to play it as the AC. But you want to go ahead and lock up that playoff berth in the first uh, go at it and not let uh, chance maybe bite you in the butt or fate deny you on a second go round. So kudos to them for that. Um, the second biggest story coming out of this is Russell Westbrook. Now, I'm one of the biggest Westbrook fans there is out there. I believe that he should be in consideration for most valuable player considering what he did for the Washington Wizards this year and how his numerous triple-doubles actually led to winning on the court to where they stormed back from 12 under 500 to snag a spot in the play-in, that is all to be commended. But you know the knock on Westbrook. I know the knock on Westbrook. It's empty calorie stats. When the game is on the line, when the, when the game is in its biggest moments, when the stakes are highest, those numbers don't seem to manifest, and they didn't last night. Yes, he had a double-double, but no triple-double, and he was horrible from the field, very inefficient. Now, this is all you need to know about playoff, and, and this is the playoff game, about playoff Russell Westbrook as opposed to regular season Russell Westbrook. Remember all those 20-20-20 games and uh, he's scoring 35 and, and 17 and 19 and then the next day he'll go 27 and 15 and, and 17? Last night, he scored 22 points. He did. He had um, nine rebounds. But here's the thing. He was a, plus, a minus 19 on the court. So when he was on the floor, the team actually was outscored by 19 points. Hell, the final score, they lost by 18. See, that's the reason why the Stephen A. Smiths come after him for these empty calorie triple doubles and why people kind of turn a blind eye to the to the accomplishments that he's able to, to accumulate during the regular season because when the game really matters and in times like this, you get these type of performances. My man was hitting the wrong side of the backboard. Oh, it was just he didn't look like he had that dog in him. Now, maybe, just maybe, he was strategically trying to avoid Brooklyn in the first round, maybe not wanting to be caught up in the headlines of going against that type of big three and getting smoked by Kevin Durant in the playoffs with a loaded team. Maybe he didn't want any of that, playing against his former teammate James Harden as well. Maybe he'll take his chances playing Indiana at home, beating them like they did to close the regular season, and then going on to play Philadelphia in the first round in the 1-8 matchup. So maybe he's playing chestnut checkers. It's definitely a better matchup and will work out best for the Wizards if they were to go in as the 8 instead of the 7. Now, tonight we have a couple of games. Well, one game if you let the national media tell it, but we do have two games tonight. The Western Conference Playing Tournament kicks off at uh, 6.30 p.m. tonight, Central Time, Texas Time. Uh, where the San Antonio Spurs, the 10th uh, seed Spurs, take on the ninth seed Memphis Grizzlies. Now, I know that there were players that had uh, gripes and beefs about the, the playing tournament, LeBron, Luka being two of the most notable, but if there was really any one team that should have a gripe about this year's playing tournament, hell, it should be the Memphis Grizzlies. Now, look at this. 
Memphis finished five games ahead of San Antonio in the standings, and they won the season series against them two games to one. Yet, with that being the case, if San Antonio were to pull it together tonight and go into Memphis and beat them, Memphis is out and San Antonio continues to move forward. Again, Memphis had more than a one-game cushion on San Antonio. They won the season series, so they owned the tiebreaker. Plus, they finished five games ahead of San Antonio in the standings, yet it comes down to one game. Those are the breaks. Those are the breaks, Memphis. And you had a chance late in the fourth quarter to finish off Golden State on Sunday. You didn't do it, so therefore you are in the nine, the 9-10 matchup. Now, Grizzlies fans, you should be worried about Coach Popovich having so much time between Sunday and today to get ready for you because we know that he's a first ballot Hall of Fame coach. He's a mastermind. He's a champion. He's done it all, seen it all, and he's had tremendous success against the Grizzlies in the postseason, even if you include 2011 when the eight-seeded Memphis Grizzlies knocked off his number one seed Spurs. Even with that being the case, the Spurs have basically owned the Grizzlies in the playoffs, playing them more than any, any other team in the Western Conference. So you should be worried about that, but that alone. DeMar DeRozan can play. Uh, Keldon Johnson can play. Uh, Deontay Murray, they can play. They're all serviceable. But this is a team that, that's lost eight of their last ten, their last four in a row. They are struggling mightily. They lack athleticism. They're at the bottom of the league in three-point attempts and three-point percentage made. Uh, this is a game where Memphis has the better roster. They have the deeper roster. They have the better scores. They're more athletic. They should win this game. Now, yes, Memphis, you are ahead of schedule. No one predicted you to be in the playing tournament when the season started. But, hell, you're here now. You might as well go ahead and see how far you can take it. At least get yourself into a, a possible rematch with Golden State or go on over to, to Staples Center and, and, and square up with the King on a one and done. You owe yourself that. And I think that it would be huge for a young team, the second youngest team in the league, with two 21-year-old stars in John Morant and Jaron Jackson Jr. to find some semblance of success in the play-in, even if it's just one game and then eliminated on Friday, uh, given the fact that they were so close to getting in the play-in last year, faltering late in the game against Portland and ultimately being eliminated before the playoffs even started. So that should be interesting, but that's really just a warm-up for the blockbuster. The AFC Golden State Warriors visit Staples Center to take on the King and the defending champion Los Angeles Lakers. That's what everybody's talking about. That's what everybody's been waiting for. This is why um, Commissioner Adam Silver is, you know, taking two to the head tonight, hitting the bleasy and telling everybody I told you so. They're going to be a gazillion eyeballs. ESPN is so excited to have that game tonight. Everybody's going to be watching this game. You got Chef Curry versus LeBron. The scoring leader versus the king, two teams that that and two players that that have a combined what seven or eight championships, I believe it's seven multiple MVPs between the two of them. They're going to get down for theirs. Uh, if you're Golden State, you just have to keep doing what you're doing. Just put it on the back of Steph Curry and let him shoot your way to victory, like he did in the um, the the seeding game on Sunday against the Grizzlies, but. To be quite honest, I really don't see this as a match. 
uh, for the Lakers. Because let's go back to Sunday's game, which Curry was so lauded for. He scored 46 points. That was dope. But he did it with a career-high 36 uh, field goal attempts and a career-high 22 three-point attempts. He shot 22 three-pointers in that game and shot 36 shots overall, scored 46 points, and yet the Grizzlies still had a lead in the game, a two-point lead with under six minutes to go. And if not for Dylan Brooks falling out, that game could have gone a much different way down the pike. Memphis had completely taken over the game. They were on a run, and they were looking to, to deliver the knockout blow until Brooks got fouled out. So when you compare the Grizzlies roster to the Lakers roster, it's gonna it, it, it makes it seems like wow, then Steph, you're gonna have to score 55, 65 tonight to hang in there with LA. Uh one telling stat about um Golden State is the fact that they have a dismal, abysmal record when they're out rebounded by their opponent. They have zero bigs. I mean, you got Kavon Looney, but James Wasman, the number two overall pick in this year's draft, he's out. Draymond Green is not a traditional big. He can guard your five, but but he, he's not a board crasher in that regard. What are they going to do with AD? Andre Drummond. LeBron. All can get you 10 rebounds in their sleep. Pounding the glass. I think that... Um, that uh, the role players for Golden State are going to have to shoot lights out because if that ball is coming off the rim at a, at a rapid pace, you can easily see the Lakers, who have the number one defense in the league, gobbling up those boards and getting out into transition with LeBron with the ball in his hands and people following him on the wings. That could be ugly, ugly, ugly for Golden State. Um, so I have the Lakers winning that one, which would set up in that scenario a nine-ten, a nine versus eight matchup back in Golden State with the ninth place Memphis Grizzlies. And hell yeah, I'm calling the upset. Memphis goes out there without the deer in the headlights look that they had last Sunday. They come in fresh and confident off of a win of San Antonio, and they pull the upset when Curry goes cold in the Bay on Friday. On the Eastern side of things, I like for um, – Westbrook to respond at home, Bradley Bill to get it going again, and for Indiana's run to the playoffs to end, I think Washington takes the eighth place. Um, see there and goes on to face Philadelphia. So it should be an interesting night of basketball tonight. Really looking forward to that. And now it, it's time that we crowned a heavyweight champion in today's Say it with your chest segment. Now, we've had some people to say it with their chest, but none have said it with their chest like one Kwame Brown. Now, if you're not familiar with who Kwame Brown is, in a nutshell, Brown was a former number one overall pick that was labeled a bust. He had played in over a decade. He had a 12-year career, bounced around to several different teams. He was drafted by Michael Jordan and the Washington Wizards. If you're a football fan, the closest thing that I can relate to Kwame Brown is maybe um, ah, the guy from, from Oakland, Jamarcus Russell, that not only was he a bust on the field, but he became a punchline, a laughing stock, uh, you know, for people for generations to come. And that has been Brown. Every time we've heard anybody in the media circle bring up 
Brown, whether they be a former player or just a media member uh, themselves, it's always been negative. It's always been to poke fun at him, to always call him sorry. Well, earlier this week, two former players in Steven Jackson and uh, Matt Barnes had a podcast that they do call All the Smoke. And they had Gilbert Arenas on, who's a former teammate of um, of Brown, uh, the same as Steven Jackson. And they got to clowning on, on Kwame Brown like everybody else does. But this time, Kwame Brown had time and responded in a way that's only befitting Ice Cube's no Vaseline response to NWA or Nas's response to Jay-Z with Ethan. Where the response went way past the, the profession itself and went so personal that it was it was so cringeworthy that it was like a train wreck. You wanted to just press stop, but you just couldn't because you couldn't believe what you were hearing. Kwame Brown, we hadn't heard from him in 20 years, and I see why. Because people don't want smoke. <laughs> he eviscerated those guys in the most personable, personal, disrespectful way that you can ever talk about another man. And it's made all the social media rounds, and he made no bones about it. He wasn't being metaphoric. He wasn't being any of that. He called them out by name and put out all their dirty laundry. Ooh, wow. <laughs> wow, Kwame Brown. Kwame Brown, sir, you are the heavyweight champion of the world, and it's going to take a ballsy effort from Another contender out there to strip that title out from around your waist, sir. Good job by you. Um, Hope you enjoy tonight's games, especially tonight's massive game in the doubleheader between LeBron and Steph. I will be back at the conclusion of the play-in tournaments to give a good deep dive breakdown into the NBA playoffs as all the seeds and the schedule is set. Uh, until then... Um, be kind to yourself, be kind to others, love yourself, love others. I love you, and I'm out. Extra, Peace. extra, you could read all about it, but let my boy PL tell you about it. Extra point, yeah, yeah, extra point, extra point, yeah, yeah, extra point.